Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now on a Tuesday morning and we're doing this thing long distance, I don't like it, but that's the way we have to do it right now. My good buddy, Dr. History, good morning. Good morning, Zeb. I hope this phone works better than last week. Oh, well, hear me okay? I, I can, but we're going to have Wheels turn you up a little bit. Wheels, you're going to have to really ride that gain because he is a little low in my headsets. But uh, what are we going to talk about today, Dr. History? Well, there's one historical event that seems to have a lot of historians weighing in with different accounts of what really happened, and that would be the Alamo. There's, like I say, a lot of a lot of historians have guessed as to what happened, but we're going to talk about one particular man, William Barrett Travis. You don't hear a lot about this guy. You know, you hear about uh, Bowie and Crockett, but we're going to talk about Travis this today. So it's 1836. 27-year-old William Barrett Travis carried a lot of weight on his shoulders. It's the early mornings of... Uh, March 6, 1836. Now, this native South Carolinian had immigrated from Alabama to the Mexican state of, and I'm not going to say this right, Cohila Ye Teja, something like Tejas. Anyway, <laughs> you guys can figure that out. Okay. Anyway, five years earlier, that's where he was. Uh, for, he wanted to have a new beginning. Now, in the Alamo, this, which was uh, a former Franciscan mission, is now serving as a fort, and he may have been contemplating his impending end rather than a beginning, knowing what he was going to be facing. Now, Travis held the rank of lieutenant colonel in Texas's newly formed cavalry, yet he commanded a fortification, which a job more suited to an artillery officer. But he had shared leadership with Colonel James Bowie at the beginning of the siege, but as everybody knows, uh, Bowie got sick, and he was bedridden. And so that left Travis in full command, because Bowie was just out of it. He was uh, laying in bed. Now, Travis wrote a famous letter of February 24th, 1836, and it was the same day that Bowie got so sick he had to go to bed. And he addressed this quote, it says, the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, and he stated his intention, he says, was, quote, to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his own honor and that of his country. Now, if Texas neglected his call for assistance, he has sustained himself and his garrison for 12 days. They'd held out. Now the time had come to fulfill his pledge to honor his country and his honor so now alamo historians historians and experts have debated the finer details of the battle for decades and i'm sure zeb you probably read you know there's all different kinds of versions of what really happened now two of the more uh, spirited arguments involved the manner in which uh, the american icons Bowie and davy crockett met their ends and there's about 25 different versions out there, so who knows really what happened. But, you know, less attention has been paid to the exact 
uh, way that uh, and the time and place that Travis has died. Travis died. Uh, however, there's a lot of speculation and questions surrounding his death, and actually that began within a week of the battle. So now word of Alamo, Alamo's fall reached Sam Houston in the town of Gonzales, and that was actually 70 miles east of San Antonio, and that was a few days later on March 11, 1836. Now, there were two guys, one by the name of Vergara and Barcinas, and they had, uh, they had not actually witnessed the battle themselves, but they reported information from another guy named Antonio Perez. Now, there's no evidence that Perez actually witnessed the fight since he rode from the ranch of Jose Maria Arrocho to San Antonio on March 6th, the morning of the battle. So he wasn't even there. But whatever information these two guys got, Vergara and Barcinas, uh, caused Sam Houston to be a little nervous about these two guys. He thought they might be spies of Santa Ana, so he actually put them in jail. Now, uh, so their information kind of sparked stories of Travis dying as suicide. There's a guy by the name of E.N. Gray, and he stated in his March 11th letter, again, about a week later, quote, Travis killed himself. Now, Andrew Briscoe, writing to the Red River Herald, uh, provided a reason for Travis's suicide. He said, quote, the brave and gallant Travis, in order to save himself from falling into the hands of the enemy, shot himself. Now, details shifted during the next few days. Houston reported that Travis, rather than fall into the hands of the enemy, stabbed himself. See, so we're already seeing some uh, contradiction. Another guy, uh, Benjamin Briggs Goodrich, uh, whose brother John died at the Alamo, wrote on March 15th, again a little later, quote, Colonel Travis, the commander of the fortress, sooner than fall into the hands of the enemy, stabbed himself to the heart and instantly died. Okay, the story keeps going. Five days later, in Nagadoches, Texas, John T. Mason wrote to a Major Nelson commanding Fort Jessup in the United States, quote, Travis and all his men were captured and murdered. Here we go. Another guy named name of E. Boker, writing from St. Augustine, Texas, a week later, said, quote, Colonel Travis, the commander of that little band, was found dead, grappled with a Mexican officer with a sword through his body. And it didn't say whose sword went through whose body. <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, the man able to clear up the mystery really is Travis's slave, Joe. Uh, now, he arrived in Gonzales uh, two days after Vigera and Barcinas, uh, had, and he had another story to tell. So he came to the Texas Texan forces with a lady by the name of Susanna Dickinson and her young daughter. Now, if you recall, Zeb, all three of these actually survived from the Alamo. Mm-hmm. Susanna her young daughter, and uh, Joe, the slave. So he later described the battle to Texan officials at a place called Washington on the Brazos. Several witnesses recorded his accounts, but they kind of embellished it and passed it on to a number of newspapers in the United States. So I guess no good story is worth telling if you can't add a little to it. So here we have another guy, George C. Childress, former editor of the Nashville Banner, reported that Travis had been awakened in the early morning hours on March 6th by a cry from the guard on the wall. Travis, the Mexicans are coming, this guy yelled. Well, Travis 
sprang from his blanket, grabbed his double-barreled gun and sword, and with Joe, the slave, they mounted one of the ramparts. Well, the fast-moving enemy already had placed scaling waters against, uh, ladders against the wall. Travis fired his gun on them and immediately suffered a gunshot wound in return. He fell within the fort while his gun fell among the Mexican so, uh, soldiers. So... Now, this editor, Childress, he further stated that a Mexican general leading his troops over the wall attempted to behead Travis, but the wounded colonel raised the sword and killed the general. Now, Joe, the slave, uh, he retreated to one of the rooms of the Alamo, and uh, so he survived, of course, being killed, like I, like I mentioned. Now, the presentation of this account makes it seem as if Joe witnessed the final death struggle between Travis and the general. However, later on, it states that an English-speaking Mexican officer and Santa Ana himself made Joe point out Travis's body. They couldn't even tell which one was his. And only through conversation did Joe come to believe that Travis killed a Mexican officer, and this was only because their bodies were close enough that their, and they say, quote, their blood congealed together. So no actual witness decided to confirm this last and a brave act by, by Travis. Now, other participants uh, or claimed participants of the battle left statements regarding Travis's death over the years, uh, compounding the mystery, and the earliest appeared in a newspaper called the El Mosquito Mexicano. And this is April 5th, so this is a month later, still in 1836. And as part of an account by an unidentified Mexican soldier, all it said was, quote, the chief they called Travis died like a brave man with his gun in his hand in back of a cannon. And here again, he did not say that he actually witnessed the death. So now we move ahead 24 years later. A guy by the name of Francisco Ruiz, who claimed to be the officer, uh, stated for the Texas Almanac of 1860 that he had been called upon to identify Travis's body for the Mexicans. And he said on the north battery of the fortress lay the lifeless body of Colonel Travis on the gun carriage shot only in the forehead. So there's already confusion going on. Now filmmakers and artists have kind of they kind of like this touch and giving their Travis character or image a kind of a neat little red spot on his forehead indicating a bullet wound. Now, some historians, uh, while constructing a dramatic telling of the Alamo story, have kind of taken Ruiz's words uh, with those of Joe, giving the impression that Joe witnessed Travis being felled by a shingle shot to the forehead. But now think of this. If Travis had been smacked in the forehead with a Mexican Army musket ball, uh, approximately a 69 caliber, it's pretty unlikely that it would have been in any condition for a later death struggle with a Mexican officer. If he got hit in the head, he'd been dead. Now, a lot of Alamo historians accept Ruiz's story at face value without further investigation. The late Thomas Rich Lindley, in his book called Alamo Traces, which was written in 2003, he presents evidence showing that Ruiz may not have been in San Antonio during the battle. So here you got all these people that are claiming to know stuff that Probably half of them weren't even there. Well, let me interrupt. Santa Dickinson, here we go, 40 years later, in 18, oh, what was 1875 or, anyway, no, longer than that even. 
she said that uh, Colonel Travis and a guy named James Butler Bonham were killed while operating the canyon. The body of the former lay on top of the church. That same year, Francisco Becerra, believed to have been a Mexican sergeant in the battle, related a story in which Mexican soldiers found Travis and Davy Crockett indoors. They said that Travis seized a gun's bayonet, pointed out him, and depressed the muzzle to the floor. Other soldiers opened fire, and a boat struck Travis in the back. He then, and this is what they quote, what they said, quote, he then stood erect, folding his arms, and looked calmly, calmly, unflinchingly upon his assailants. He was finally killed by a bullet passing through his neck. Now, Becerra went on to say that Crockett stood in a similar position, and they died, quote, undaunted like heroes. So now we move ahead a few more years. 1889, an article in the Fort Worth Gazette cited uh, a guy by the name of Felix Nunez, who claimed Travis manned a cannon just outside the open door of the Alamo Church. Mexican cannon and small arms fire silenced the Texan um, and killed Travis. Uh, Ten years later, newspapers cited the uh, celebrated lady by the name of Madame Candelaria, Candelaria after her death on February 10, 1899, stating, quote, what she said, Colonel Travis was the first man killed. He fell on the southeast side near where the Manger Hotel stands. Well, Alamo historians today argue that her presence in the fort during the battles may not have even happened, and she kept changing her story. Uh, she had three versions of Boy's death and two really, really different uh, versions of Crockett's death. Well, Travis, you know, he wasn't quite the star power of uh, Jim Boy or Davy Crockett, and so his last moments never really excited the same controversy or the curiosity as those of the other two Alamo heroes. However, the conflicting accounts by eyewitnesses or supposedly claimed eyewitnesses uh, still provide enough mystery to spark conversation as to how and where he died. Now, to me, Zeb, the best account comes from Joe, the slave, who was a survivor, and we know he was there, that Travis, during the battle, provides the best bet on his transition into eternity he says that he fired his double-barrel gun and immediately felt the enemy fire, one of the earliest Texan casualties of the battle. And Travis held the Alamo garrison together during two pretty rough weeks of the siege. He did not lead from the rear during the final battle, but he mounted the walls to face his enemy and never forgetting his, quote, honor or that of his country. And he fulfilled his promise to the people of Texas and all Americans in the world and he died like a soldier. Well, let me jump in on you. Whoa, 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 Doc, Doc, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me jump in a little bit. You've gone without oxygen for 20 minutes, and I'm afraid you're going to pass out. A uh, couple of things I wanted to ask you about. You used the word, I think you said Santa Ana, the general of the Mexican army, uh, had made the statement or someone working under him that the uh, Texans in the Alamo were captured. Now, I have understood from all the things I've read and the books that I have, dating all the way back to when I was in college, that no survivors, nobody was captured except the priests that were in there and the mothers and the children of some of the combatants. Those are the only ones that were captured at that time. 
Right, and I agree with that because, like I said, that was another story that came out that said that they were captured and killed, and I don't, I don't buy that one either. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, it's really kind of ambiguous and really kind of odd that someone would say, well, I saw Travis die this way or I saw Davy Crockett die this way. You got to remember there's a raging battle going on. And for someone to come out later and say that they saw this and you have to ask yourself, Hmm, how did you see this or not be a part of all the action or have somebody shooting at you? I mean, there was absolutely no uh, respect for any human life during that battle. No, and as I've gone through these various accounts, I mean, pretty much most, a lot of them, you can't really hardly believe. I mean, they, uh, like I say, there's so many accounts, and what you just said, some of them probably were not even there yeah. at the battle. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you that uh, we really, I don't think we really know for sure. I, the only one I feel somewhat confident in is Joe the Slave's version of how uh, Travis was, uh, uh, he took his double-barreled gun and uh, ran up onto the rampart and was shot and killed, being one of the first ones killed. That, to me, is probably, to me, the most likely case of what happened. And, and you know, really, when it comes to history or the story of what actually happened, I think I would rely on the priests that were there, and they were asked immediately by other Texicans, they were called that at that time, after the battle, and of course, Sam Houston and others, they were interviewed, the the mothers and the wives and the children uh, that are old enough to remember what happened, but I I don't think anybody's uh, reliance on how they died or where they were standing, I don't think that holds any water anyway. I agree with you. I, I don't think, like I said, there's a lot of theories, a lot of ideas, and I don't know that we really have any idea really what happened to any of them, even Crockett and Bowie. Yeah. I mean, we think we know, but uh, did it really happen that way? You know, we don't know. So The problem with history, you and I you and I've talked about this many, many times, is that unless you really, and I hate to sound graphic on this, but it's the truth, unless you've got somebody there with a video camera or taking notes or firsthand observance, it's all a matter of speculation. It really is. Uh, You know, I've got a copy here of a letter that Travis wrote to to the fellow citizens and compatriots and he goes on in this letter to say how he's being besieged by a thousand or more Mexicans under Santa Ana, how the bombardment is coming, and uh, that he's going to try to to fight, uh, you know. And he says, I am determined to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what it is, what is due to his own honor and that of his country. And he says, victory or death. And he signs that William Barrett Travis. You know, so I. That was the letter he sent out uh, wanting to get reinforcements. Yeah. Which, of course, we know did not happen, didn't come. Absolutely. So, you know, I think we can sum up this story about the Alamo in the same vein as what happened with Billy the Kid, what happened with Jesse James, what happened with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I mean, there's a lot of variables that we do not know today. 
Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I ran across this story and I thought, well, I just throw a little more confusion onto the fire here. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think we we know any more than we did, but at least those are some of the. Uh, the versions of what may or may not have happened. I really enjoyed listening to that story, and when we get things pieced back together again to where we can be in the same studio, uh, let's do this one again or uh, another story of its type. Dr. History, God bless you, man. Stay safe, stay healthy, you and your family, and uh, thank you for an excellent program this morning. Thank you, Zeb. You have a good day. Uh, My friend, you betcha. Dr. History, thank you so much. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.